Hey, welcome to the Jesuit Missions podcast. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Adam. And we're your hosts for our Justice at COP28 series. We're going to be talking with a range of guests about climate change and the environment in line with this year's COP in Dubai. Today we're speaking with Julia, Bright Now campaign manager at Operation NOAA and host of the Thinking Faith podcast. Hello, Julia, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. So good to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Julia, as you said, and I work for a Christian climate organisation called Operation Noah. Um, and we work with national churches, um, such as the Church of England, the Catholic Church, um, Methodist Church, um, for example, and the dioceses, um, and get encourage them to respond to the climate crisis. Um, and so I work on a campaign called Bright Now. And so we have like three different levels, which is encouraging them to divest from fossil fuel organisations. And then I work on an area of getting them to invest their money into climate solutions. And then the third area is looking at land use and how they can use their land to benefit um, nature and climate. That's really interesting. And what's the general response when you ask them to do divest and look at climate solutions so the i've been working in this area of work specifically with operation over two years now um and uh with divestment campaign it's been going on for like well the first uh, the quakers were the first to divest i think it was in 2013 they announced it so it's been going on for over 10 years um we're now at a stage where all but the uh, Roman Catholic Church, all of the national churches have made a divestment commitment. Um, so that's a really positive. The Church of England was the last to have done that in July. Um, and a lot of the dioceses in the Church of England and in the Roman Catholic Church have also divested. So at this point, there's a lot of movement towards divestment. But I know at the beginning of the campaign, it was a real challenge and a real struggle to persuade people that divestment was the right thing to do. Um Morally, it's the right thing to do. It's really obvious, particularly when you look at COP and you can see the need for it. Um, but there's also that kind of want to have the financial returns because a lot of the church is doing a lot of moral good things like mission work. And so they need to have that money to be able to carry on doing that mission work. Um, and so that's that's what they invest like that's the reason they have investments so they don't want to risk that investments because they want to be able to do their good work but i would say the argument is that if you're doing the good work but if you're not if you carry on investing in fossil fuel organizations you're still doing the damage so that mm. you're still going to have to carry on doing more and more so actually by making this more issue you've got um, a prophetic voice by saying this is not good enough we need to we need to be making this change and if you're saying to the government you need to be making changes to make action we, as, as a church we should be using our voice but also using our money and the, you know this old saying about putting your money where your mouth mm. is is a really good example of that yeah i mean it's great that quite a few of the big church organizations have divested it sounds like there's a little bit of a way to go for the roman catholic church um, what would you say if, if someone was listening who has control over the money right now in the Catholic Church, what would you say? I think I would, uh, well, I think we're looking towards the Bishop's Conference to make that divestment mm. commitment. Um, and that is one of our campaign areas. And I think I would say what I've just said about that that need theologically. So I mean, like God calls us to care for um, for his creation. I'd also say about the love of our neighbour as well, mm. um, because 
as we as I'm sure you're very aware of the the climate crisis is hitting the poorest the hardest and so when we're, we're not loving our neighbor if we're not taking action on the climate crisis so there's all these kind of theology uh, theological answers to why we should do it but also um there's the kind of need to that kind of shouting out and saying putting our money where our mouth is as well definitely so how did you become interested in climate change and the need to protect our planet so i have two stories that kind of started myself off on this journey so one is that um i did a gap year called step into the gap with cathod um and i did that in 2013 um and i got to I worked in a youth retreat centre for most of the year and um, for four weeks I got to travel to Sierra Leone and I got um, I got to visit pe- um, partners that Gafford work with there and get uh, got to see how international development works kind of in a, in a realistic way um, and I met farmers there that were talking about how the wet season was for longer no that's the wrong way around the dry season was for longer and the wet season the water was heavier which meant their crops were being washed away and I think that was kind of I'd heard of climate crisis, uh, the climate change at that time, because I remember learning about it in school, and but not really thinking about too much about it. But actually seeing it and how it was affecting people who had worked hard to build their lives up, um, and they were uh, without them doing anything, their livelihoods were being destroyed. And I remember at that time, I think Cafford had just celebrated for about um, fifty years of being an organization and I remember thinking how climate the climate crisis could destroy all of that 50 years mm. of work like very quickly um and so there was that kind of need and want to see and I could see the urgency of the climate crisis and then I um worked in different areas of work and all of the time the climate crisis would come in and then I ended up working for CAFOD for four years on the the gap year program I was the um coordinator and as part of that I got to take a group of young adults to Cambodia um, and I got to see the work that they were doing there and I was meeting with this one particular farmer and I um, the young the young adults I was working with were interviewing him but I was there too and he was talking about how his um, he'd worked really hard on his farm to make sure that all of his children including his boys and his girls were all educated and for me that's something I'm really passionate about like women's rights and so seeing that that kind of gender equality was really good for me and um, he talked about how like he'd worked hard to build up his farm and all this and then he started talking about how the climate he didn't say the climate he said about how the weather had changed and how again it was drier longer longer drier seasons and wetter wet seasons and as he was talking about how the climate had changed in the last 10 20 50 years i could tell like he was talking about the climate crisis um and he didn't use those or climate change and he didn't use those words but it was really obvious to me what he was talking about and then he took us around on his farm and he showed us how different things had been impacted by the climate um including this river that had been his main source of water um and it took like it was down a hill so it took him a lot of effort to get down to the river but he couldn't use that anymore so now he had to find water in a much longer way and I remember like listening to that man's story and thinking like first there was just this overwhelming guilt that like because of my actions this man was like struggling even more than he needed to but also there was this kind of real need inside of me to do something about the climate crisis and like make a real change um and 
coming back and I said to like to him I would share his story with as many people as I could because there's a like I took a video at the time and I was like nearly in tears of like how much this man's story had impacted me um so then I came back and was like not immediately I still worked on the same gap year program but encouraged and well to be fair it was 2020 so we (laughs) went straight into a lockdown not straight in but like a month after we got back it was lockdown um but then all of that time I was thinking, how do I share this man's story? How do I do more about the climate crisis? And so eventually I changed jobs and work for the organisation I do now. And what was the reaction when you came back to the UK and shared this man's story? I think so. I think that the challenge of it is for a lot of people, it's a story they've heard before. So we hear it quite often now, and particularly when we've got... Um, big climate conferences happening all regularly. We hear all of these stories about people being impacted across the world. But until you kind of can see a direct story yourself, I think it's quite difficult to fully understand that 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 need. The like why we need to take action and how it's impacting people. Um so I think a lot of people when I hear it, they it kind of reminds them of the other things they've heard or people they've met or um and so they do want to take action and do something but often I think the challenge is as individuals we can't we can do our bit but we can't make big changes um I mean we we can do small things like changing our bank so that we're not invested in fossil fuels etc but we can't make the institutional changes that need to happen so it's about that campaigning and how how can we make those big changes happen Yeah, um, that's really interesting. And I think often there can be a bit of a disconnect from people in the UK. Either you've seen or heard these stories a lot um, and it becomes sort of normal to see charities sort of showcasing difficult things Mm -hmm. or it can be something that just feels like it's across the other side of the world. I think it's always a challenge in the charity sector of how to really bring home like what's actually happening outside of our country yeah I think I was I was thinking and I decided not to sidetrack myself down that thought but I will at this point I remember um in 2022 when we had the heavy drought not heavy like that we didn't have uh, not heavy at all we didn't have any rainfall and remember we had the really hot um the heat wave and then we had droughts I remember being in year four I think it was and my teacher talking about to do with the climate crisis i don't think we called it climate crisis i'm not even sure if it was called climate change but how icebergs were melting and then in within the next 50 years we would have droughts in the uk and i just didn't understand that concept at seven or eight because i was like we live in an island we're never going to have droughts like we live surrounded by water and then i was out um, in our garden in last year um during that time and looking to see how i keep any of our plants alive and it just struck me like we are in that time that yeah. the time that i just didn't understand when i was eight we're now there and i'm in my early 30s it's not even been 50 years yet it's been 20 but that's <laughs> that's okay um like i say that's okay to make myself feel less old um but it's it's significantly like changed in such a short period of time that even quicker than people were kind of expecting it to be as well. And I think there are, like you said, subtle things we are seeing in the UK now um, where the climate crisis is hitting us as well. We're having hotter summers. Um, 
like our seasons are a little bit more unpredictable some places especially I think in Wales are flooding um, and some coastal towns are being written off for the future and for now we might think these don't feel too devastating but it's only going to get worse. Yeah and I was just thinking about how at this particular time of year we have it being so cold outside mm. but like and we're all really struggling with how cold it is but I think it's just because we had such a warm October and November yeah. that it suddenly seems to have hit us where I think in the past we probably might have even had colder winters but because it would have got there slowly and the seasons wouldn't have been such a drastic change we wouldn't have noticed it as much. Yeah I agree and so you're a Catholic. Um, I am. And so how has your faith influenced your approach to working with the environment? Well, I think when I was already talking about that care for creation, um, I've, that, that kind of part of my faith really does impact my work. So I, when I was coming to make the decision to work in the climate crisis, I spent a lot of time praying about it as well, um, whether this was the right decision and I think I said earlier that I'm really passionate about women's rights and actually that's the kind of focus area that I would like to go working in. But actually I kind of realised unless the climate crisis is like challenged or tackled, there is no point trying to, well, there is a point in working on other areas, don't get me wrong, but there's that kind of that burning need to deal with this one issue, otherwise it could destroy everything, every good that was done. I think it's the biggest um, challenge that we face at the moment as humanity. And I think for me, I felt that real calling from God to to work in this area. So it, was, it wasn't just a case of, okay, I can see this from a, a theoretical viewpoint. It's also that linking of my faith that God is calling us to take action. Um, and, and I have this real belief that we're all put on earth to like do something, to like do basically be the hands of Jesus on earth and I feel like this real time that that's what God is calling me to do in terms of the climate crisis yeah and you said you were interested in women's rights gender equality how does that intersect with the environment well it's it's one of those challenges of that um we often see the issue as a whole issue for all of humanity, but and I don't know have the figures off the top of my head. But actually, it's women who are being, um, particularly in international, like in development areas, who are not struggling, but who are struggling the most mm. with the climate crisis. Um, and particularly, if you like, think of an example of um, often that it's women who collect water, um, and now that if the waters, if there's droughts, they're having to go further to find the water supplies, which can often put them in danger. So there's a, like that's a really small example of it. Um, there's much bigger examples, but it's just those kind of different things of women's rights. Um, I mean, at the moment, I'm not working in the women's rights area, so mm. I don't feel like I can be the person to tell you all of the information because I'm working with churches to get them to invest their yeah. money. But um, it is a massive issue and definitely is in impacting women. It impacts everyone, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying mm. it doesn't impact everyone, but it does definitely um, impact women a lot. Yeah, and I think it's a thing of any group that is marginalised already yeah. is pushed further into poverty or and t- and like struggle more when the climate crisis hits because they're already um, facing issues. Yeah, and I was just thinking of it of when um, with migration as well that yeah. migration people who are forced to flee because of 
droughts or war or whatever, tend to have to be those who are strongest and fittest. And if a woman's um, responsibility is to look after children or um, like look after a home, it can be quite difficult for them to be able to migrate in the same way that possible for others. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Pope Francis has spoken a lot about climate crisis and um, caring for our common home. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how this intersects with your work and perhaps a bit about maybe why people should read Laudato Deum, Laudato Si in the context of the climate crisis? Yeah, so I mean, for our work, if we're working with the Catholic Church, Pope Francis is a really obvious mm. example of he's saying very clear statements on the climate crisis. And when you look at Laudato Si, he um, talks about how we don't have an ecological crisis and a social crisis. They're not two separate issues. They're very much linked. And if we don't um, work on one, or and if we focus on one and we're not focused on the other, then we're not going to make a difference in both. Um, so there's a real need to tackle both. Um, and I think when... So it's really obvious with Pope Francis to use him when we're working with the Catholic Church and the Catholic yeah. Diocese because obviously people lo like men love him in the Catholic Church. But also the great thing about Pope Francis is how he's recognised and acknowledged in most other denominations. And actually he's seen as a leading um, figure for Christianity as a whole and not just for the Catholic Church. Um, so I actually uh, was working with somebody in the Methodist Church who went and met Pope Francis and came back and was talking about how great he was and um, was sharing with me about the the strong words he had shared with the group that went so that and he brings that back and he shares that with the Methodist Church as well. Um, so that there is this real want well I think it's the real strong voice mm. that comes from Pope Francis and his real clear need that he, we need to care for creation but we also need to care for the poor um, which obviously he comes is really obvious with his name being Francis as well um, but because there is this strong voice and very clearly he is a really easy example for others to to use and to encourage people to read the Dato C as you said um, and to take action yeah, and I think, unfortunately, he wasn't able to make COP28, but his word was still spoken there and I think has had a great influence. Yeah, so he um, called for divestment of fossil fuels as well. So um, a really strong voice on that issue. That's great. Um, and in the context of COP28, we're running a campaign at the moment on COP28, climate justice, what would you like to see emerge from COP28? Oh, that's a challenging question because um, the issues are so complex that there's not just one easy pull-out answer. Um, I mean, to be honest, anything that would mean we get we stay at 1.5 and we don't go over 1.5 would be really key. I do. Um, I mean, I won't go anything into too political about oil deals and things, but... Um, I think I would just really like the the main thing to be the voice of the poor being heard at yeah. at the at COP um, because as Pope Francis has talked about in both publications, it's not the people who are being hit the hardest by the climate crisis and we've already talked about how everyone's going to get hit but it is the poorest who are being yeah. hit the hardest. They're the ones who've done the least to contribute but I think it needs to be that their voices are heard the most um, because yes, we do all hear voices of the stories particularly if you're in the catholic church you can hear it from all the different organizations that are saying it um 
but it is just that reminder that that voice is is the most being tackled as well. I don't know if you've seen the letter from Laudato Si um, movement. It's a film where they um, bring the voices of the poor, creation, um, the migrants and the young together to meet Pope Francis. And um, it's those voices that need to be heard. Yeah, that sounds great. And I think it's all about intergenerational sort of voices, but as well as the indigenous um, and people who are actually experiencing climate change. That is the other voice that I missed off, the indigenous. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, and those who are actually experiencing climate change. I think it's it's very tricky, I think, at COP28 to try and get those groups mixing, the, the policy makers, the political leaders and those who are really experiencing climate change to all come together um, and really listen to each other. But that is what is so important. And yeah, I agree with what you've said. I think for me, it's that kind of need of listening to those voices and not just the people who are going to make the money Mm. out of the situation. Yeah, definitely. And so what would you say to our supporters that they could do to help the climate crisis? Um, uh, well, I guess the easiest thing to do is to get involved in your campaigns. Um, <laughs> I mean, great. it's pretty easy. I think there's so many things we can all do and, and everyone kind of knows these things. Like We can all do our bit, but I think it is making that, that the, the voice I talked about earlier, not, not, I mean, I've just talked about the need to have the voice of the poor mm. and the indigenous. So not to kind of overshadow that voice, but if all of us are talking to the government, I'm or saying to the churches in particular when um that we need to do some to take action now it is one of those things of like if the voice is loud enough then people take action if there's the yeah. if they hear that that people want that they change if they don't think anyone cares they're not going to do anything about it and they're going to look at another area of work that they think people care more about yeah and i think we have a responsibility to be talking to our politicians, writing to our MPs and trying to move the UK government to listen to these marginalised voices and take action. And that is something that we can do. And I think it's particularly keen right now um, when we've seen backtracking on policies and um, not just in the UK government, but also in the big fossil fuel organisations as well. Um, I think so. Using people using their voice is really important at this time. Yeah, And is there anything that you're doing in your personal life outside of work to try and help the environment? Um, I try to do a lot of things, actually, and I've been really challenged that I've got a little bit slack on things. But Mm. um, I am vegetarian, so I reduce my meat intake. um, And I try not to fly. (laughs) I say that knowing I'm about to take a flight, which makes me feel incredibly guilty. Um, But... Uh, yeah, so I try to do any anything I can in a small action, mm. in a way. Um, and also slightly try and challenge others as well, um, who, if they're listening to this podcast, will know exactly who they are. But try and do it in a nice, kind, caring way rather than a, you should feel guilty about it as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I think it's all about those small steps and doing what we can uh, rather than having that judgmental voice, as you say. Yeah, and I think if you can reduce your emissions yourself then your carbon footprint then that's great like and if and if you can't and say for example with the flying and it's definitely not me feeling guilty about it if there's a need to do it then I can understand that but if you've got another option for example taking the train then and you can do that then choose that possibility 
Yes, and you've been very humble about your own podcast. Um, yeah. Do you want to share a bit about it and point our listeners to what yeah. you're doing? So I record a podcast um, for Thinking Faith, which is another Jesuit organisation. So every time I have a guest, um, we talk about things that they wish they knew before a particular thing happened in their life. Um, and it's a chance for our listeners to like stop and think about how God has impacted their lives and how things have maybe a different part of their life has changed them um, and how what they can learn from it, which is great as well. And I've been listening to the episodes and can recommend. It's really good. Thank so you. head over to the Thinking Faith podcast to give it a listen. Yeah, great. Thank you. We we appreciate all of the listens. <laughs> and thank you for coming on our podcast today. It's been great. Thank you. It's been a great episode. It's been a bit of a weird experience for me being sat on this side of the table, but it's been great. Thank you. Well, we've enjoyed having you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. You can find out more about our Justice at COP28 campaign on our website and social media. Find us at jesuitmissions.org.uk and follow us at Jesuit Missions on all social media platforms. You can learn more about our guests and their work in the description. See you next time. Music